I feel like what I've been doing recently is switching from an external authority to an internal authority or learning how to, and really just saying like sitting back and being like, what do I want right now? Like not what should I do, but like, what do I want? Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. The following is a review from the Apple Podcast platform in the UK from a listener called HH. It's entitled, Such an Appreciated Resource. As a 45-year-old woman who is waiting for confirmation of an ADHD diagnosis, I'm so grateful for the conversations in this podcast. I feel less alone, more informed, and more accepting of the way my brain works. As I listen more, I suspect the podcast will offer me further insights into how I can embrace my neurodiversity and stop seeing myself as wrong or broken. At heart, I want to structure my life in a way that embraces my gifts rather than highlighting my perceived by this culture deficits. Thank you, Katie. And let's go, ladies. We're brilliant just the way we are, damn it. Yes, love this. Thank you so much for that lovely review. It gets me all fired up when I think of how incredible we are and how we have spent far too long focusing on our flaws rather than discovering and leaning into our strengths as neurodivergent women. And if you are ready to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life, and you're looking to connect with other amazing women with ADHD, registration is now open for my upcoming small group coaching programs. At the time of this recording, there are a few spots left in two of the groups. So you can find out more, including the dates and times and pricing over at womenandadhd.com slash group coaching. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. Okay, let's dive in with episode 77, in which I interviewed Chelsea Eitoven. Chelsea is the founder of Part-Time Wellness, the digital wellness resource for women with ADHD. Her goal is to share a more lighthearted approach to wellness and help women with ADHD see wellness as a tool to help them live a more joyful, fulfilling life, and not just another have-to, guilting them from their never-ending to-do list. As a multi-passionate entrepreneur and play enthusiast, You can find Chelsea recording podcasts, creating digital courses, filming YouTubes, and playing her way through life because it's just too short to do all of our have-tos and none of the want-tos. Chelsea and I talk all about becoming our own authority and avoiding neurotypical advice when it comes to cycles of productivity. And we also talk about ADHD and diet culture and our tendency toward all or nothing thinking, especially when it comes to exercise, nutrition, and pretty much every other wellness habit. Chelsea recently relaunched her podcast. It's now called Part-Time Wellness, so make sure to go check that out. And she's also launching a digital course called Wellness with ADHD, which guides women with ADHD through the experimentation process of creating wellness habits that bring them joy. That's coming soon, and there is a link in the show notes to her website to sign up for the waitlist. And before we get started, I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Magic Mind, the world's first productivity drink. You'll be hearing a bit more about Magic Mind later in the episode, so stay tuned. 
Hi. Yay. I'm so, I've been really looking forward to this. I just think you're just so adorable. And I feel like we have so many like similarities and alignments in our journeys. And like when I, when I was like looking into you, when I first discovered you and I was like, Oh, I love her video. She's so likable. So I would like went <laughs> down the, the rabbit hole, the Chelsea rabbit hole as one does. And I was like, <laughs> I was, and then it just made me laugh because your whole, the ADHD-ness of your resume always makes me laugh, right? Where you're like, yeah, I was a kindergarten teacher and I was also yeah. like a theme park character. <laughs> I was like, yes. yeah, I love it. Um, yes. and, and then it's just sort of like, yeah, now we're here and it all makes sense, right? Like I love piecing together our strange and varied histories. Yes. I'm so excited. Um, awesome. Okay. So I don't know. Have you listened to the podcast? You, there's yeah, Yes, I have. Oh, and when you asked, yeah, when you said you would like to interview me, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm being interviewed by like a celebrity because <laughs> I feel the same about you. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like I've listened to this podcast so much and listened to so many different people that I'm like, how cool that I get to be on this now. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, believe me. I'm just like a random mom in her track pants in my living room. Uh, I mean, same, except I just like put makeup on. Cause I felt like, you know, <laughs> I was like, if I'm a guest on it, I'll just try to get a little ready. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. So it's, it is kind of crazy. Cause like, uh, you know, I immediately after my diagnosis, I was like, you know, the, the wheels start turning and I was like, I'm going to buy the URL and I'm going to start this bit and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to start the, you know, Instagram. And, but really it was like, I just wanted to reach out and meet other women and be like, was your experience similar to mine? And, and, and then it kind of has blown up from there where I'm like, not only are these conversations helping me, and I think helping the in, the woman who's sharing her story, but then other people are actually listening to these stories and hearing themselves in it, which I think just blows my mind. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, like it's so, it's just so cathartic for all of us. Totally. And I'll get, I'll get out of where I'm not listening to ADHD content and I'll kind of start feeling down on myself and I'll get back. I'll be like, oh yeah, I should listen to other people that have ADHD. And I'm immediately reminded like, oh yeah, all these people have such a similar experience and it's like so comforting. So that's right? definitely what I feel like your podcast has done. Well, it's I feel like comforting. I am so immersed in ADHD and I talk to so many people with ADHD that I forget that there are people out there who don't have this experience, right? Like I'm at the <laughs> point now where I'm like, every once in a while, I will, I will like come upon somebody who's so aggressively neurotypical where I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> I forget that you guys exist and that we're not all this like hilarious hijinks of chaotic mess, you know, that there are right. people who are like, oh man, like we just think so differently. I forget. <laughs> right, right. I totally feel that. <laughs> okay. So we'll start out, I guess um, I will ask about your, you know, when you were diagnosed because you, it was, how long ago was it? How old were you? And kind of what was going on in your life that led you to sort of look into ADHD and, and, and put those pieces together for yourself? Yeah. So I was diagnosed this past year, um, February of 2021. I'm like, what year, what year is it I now? Know, right? 2022. <laughs> Just turned it always takes till like April till I actually remember the year. So February of 2021, I was diagnosed and like most of us, um, I, the way it came about was pretty random. Um, I started my business in January of 2020 and I was a kindergarten teacher previously. And once I moved to working for myself, working from home, I honestly thought everything was going to be great. I was going to be like, 
oh my gosh, okay, nobody's going to be home. I'm going to be in my own environment. I'm going to be able to be so focused. I'm going to get so much done, you know, and you sit down for that first day of work and you're like, that's, what did I get done today? Right. And so I just struggled really, I struggled a ton with focus and keeping on task, getting things done, following through all the things that we typically struggle with, with ADHD, um, starting my business. But honestly, I didn't attribute any of that. I would have never thought it was ADHD. Um, I was just kind of thinking to myself, well, I need to try harder. Well, I don't have a good work ethic. Well, I just need to, you know, power through it, you know, (laughs) hustle my way to the top, whatever it is, all that stuff. And, um, Later, the way that the ADHD kind of came into the picture was actually a friend of mine who has ADHD. There was a couple conversations that happened around the same time, but a friend of mine who has ADHD, I don't remember exactly what the conversation was, but she said something to the effect of, she said, she said something assuming I had ADHD. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, wait, I thought you had ADHD. I'm so sorry. I don't mean anything bad by that. And I was like, what? that's just really strange. What makes you think that? She goes, well, I don't want to say it. I don't want to offend you. And I was like, what is it? She's like, well, you kind of interrupt a lot. (laughs) I was like, wait, that's an ADHD thing. And that conversation just sparked me to look into it. And I immediately sent the list to my husband and was like, look at these things. Are these not all me? And he's like, no, those are, this sounds like it was written about you. (laughs) And that kind of sparked the spiral down the road of getting diagnosed. I know, right? I know. I talk about how my therapist had been like gently suggesting it to me too, with that way of like, I don't take this in the wrong way, but I think you need to look into it. And how like initially I was kind of insulted. Like, are, do you think I'm, do you think I'm like a crazy hot mess? And, and <laughs> do you think I'm really chaotic? I mean, she's my therapist, so of course she does. But like, um, <laughs> you know, now it's funny because I'm like, oh yeah, I am a crazy hot mess. Um, but there is that feeling of like, if somebody else suggests that you have ADHD, you're sort of like, uh, no, like there is something sort of insulting. You have to kind of deal with that internalized stigma. But then when you have ADHD to to say to somebody else, like, I think you have ADHD is almost like a badge of honor. <laughs> right, right. It's like, no, this is a very good thing. <laughs> I wasn't insulted. I was actually curious because I feel like I have always been looking for answers. I was always like, there is something different about me and I cannot pinpoint what it is. Like the way that I think is different. And when I was younger, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which I now think was a misdiagnosis for ADHD. Um, How old were you? uh, You know, ages for me all kind of like meld together. (laughs) No, right. (laughs) And years and months and time is like, I don't understand time. But you were young, like you were still living with your parents and- no, I think I was like 20. I was in my early 20s. Oh, so I'm, okay. 30, so, I'm 31. Right. I think that was like 23 or so. So I kind of am always interested, like ever since then, because I was like, that doesn't hit it on the head, but there's still something, you know, but I kind of push it to the back of my mind. So when she said that, I kind of had this inkling and this interest immediately to be like, well, let me look into this. What does this mean? Maybe this is, you know, I didn't know it would connect all the pieces together so perfectly, but it did. Well, bipolar, I mean, there's a huge stigma around bipolar as well, right? But I think I I secretly thought I had bipolar. I think a lot of us did when you don't know what's happening. And, you know, I was diagnosed with depression and postpartum depression and anxiety. But again, it was like, 
I don't feel like those fit. Like for me, a lot of it was like emotional regulation and being like, how come I'm happy one minute? And then in a rage five minutes later, that feels like bipolar. And so that's like, I would always like secretly fall down those Google rabbit holes, but like realizing that I had my own internalized stigma about that term and, um, right. Yeah. Interesting. So you think, so you were, so what was going on that you were diagnosed with that in your twenties or was that, that that was, I don't want to pry. Oh no, no, not prying at all. Um, you know, that was kind of like the most, I want to say the most hot mess phase of my life, but I feel like it's pretty much all just kind of a mess, you know, (laughs) but things all work out eventually. But so I like had just gone through a breakup and I started seeing this therapist and, um, going through the breakup, obviously I was having a really difficult time and, uh, I came in and I guess I was kind of sad and down and yada, yada. And then the next time I came in, I was in a really good mood and was really up and excited, you know, I'm very excitable. And I do think that the, um, roller coaster of emotions is definitely part of my ADHD. That emotional regulation is a big piece that it, a way that it shows for me. And, um, I don't know. I honestly, I'm not sure. I literally saw that therapist three times. So, um, and then I ended up going to a psychiatrist and he diagnosed me with bipolar after one visit. And, um, which is why when I got my ADHD screening, I want, I did the official test, like where they sit down and you do like, she did like this test that felt like I was taking the SAT, but for like kindergartners, um, like, I did the full thing because I was like, I want you to screen for everything. Cause I wanted to really know that that's what it was. That's so, so ADHD. That answered your question. Right, no, right? I know it is. I kind of want to do that too. Now I, I feel like I was almost cheated because I, you know, my, my general practitioner is, is a psych specialist. So she was able to diagnose me in the office just through like my own, you know, I had this handful of papers of my self tests and all of these things. And, and it was mostly just sitting down and having a conversation with her that she was able to diagnose me. But I hear about people who take the three hour tests where I picture you like a kindergarten, like at a table it was intense. With, with like a rope <laughs> puzzle and Rorschach tests. And I'm like, Ooh, I want to do that. I want to, it was kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> It was kind of fun. And, you know, we get, we can tend to get really focused on that kind of stuff. And so I was like, I wonder if it's not going to show that like, I, you know, how my focus really is in real life, because when a person's sitting there, it's like, your focus is totally different, but obviously they saw something. (laughs) I know. Right. It is. So I, it, it brings to the fore, like how so much of our, um, I guess that that self-doubt, right? That internalized self-doubt plays into just the diagnosis journey itself. Like, am I faking? You know, like I likened it a lot to when you go to the eye doctor and they're like, which is clear, this A or B? And I'm like, I don't know, A, can we do B again? I don't know, like, (laughs) why am I in charge? (laughs) I don't know, what do you think? (laughs) I know, exactly. Like, so I was so worried that I had gotten it wrong. And I think I've said this in in other um, episodes too, where like I made, my doctor say out loud to me, like, you know, I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get like a card carrying certificate or something where I was like, you need to say it out loud. Otherwise I'm always going to think that maybe I misunderstood. Totally. And I mean, I Uh, still spend most of my life doubting the fact that I I even have this diagnosis and that maybe it's all a lie. And, and I was just having a bad day, you know, like I still am in constant state of questioning, even what this is. 
Yep. And even doing the official test, I still feel that way too. And I've spoken to a lot of other women that feel that way too. I don't know why that is. I think it, to me, it might be that internal feeling like our entire life, we've been told that this stuff is excuse, like an excuse or that we need to try harder. So I almost feel like we're like, well, is it though? I still kind of think it might be. I still kind of think I might just be lazy. I don't know. You right. know, like we have those moments or at least I do. And that's why I think it was, it was so for somebody who has like a background in nutrition and as was probably as steeped in diet culture as I was for most of your adult, young adult life. Like it's mind blowing to think about the similarities with like, for me, like when I started thinking about diet culture and that idea that like, you're doing it wrong, if it's not working for you, it's somehow your fault. It can't possibly be the diet's fault. And then there, you know, when you come to that moment of realization where you're like, wait a minute, like you see the man behind the curtain, like Dorothy, yes. and you're like, oh my God, I've been, they were lying to me this whole time. They never were. Like it, it felt like there were so many similarities to that journey of like diet recovery and getting out of um, diet culture and also like having to, the same idea with ADHD where you're like, oh my God, I'm not the problem. The problem isn't me. The problem is like everything I had been told my whole life, all of these messages. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I've been exploring this idea so much, the parallel between diet culture or really my relationship with food and what I kind of went through with my relationship with food, with improving that. And instead of saying, I want to change my body and force it into this and force myself into this like perfectly controlled little person. Now I'm going through that same experience with productivity. And it's like the same exact thing. Like instead of forcing myself into this, like, oh, I must get this done. I must be like this. I'm like, what if I just sit back and like, what really am, what, what are my natural tendencies? And like, what do I want to do? And it's funny. There's so many parallels. I completely agree. Yeah. And it's funny because that's one of the things that really appealed to me when I first discovered you was that, that approach, which is like, we're overcomplicating everything. Like we just need to like take a breath and settle it. And I was like, yes, thank you. Like, <laughs> because we do, we get so worked up. Right. And like now yes. at least I can kind of see it happening and have a sense of humor about it where I'm like, right. Oh, here is the part where I'm getting really, really excitable and I'm good. And I want to do all the things in one day. And then I get exhausted. Like, you know, I, I like to say it's like I've got like all of these notes in the margin now that follow me around <laughs> when I'm going through these. But yeah, like I think a lot of it does come back to that sense of like, you know, there's so much at play. Like there's the excitability factor. There is that feeling of like, I want to do all the things all the time, that urgency and impatience that um, can get us like to feeling like why why is everybody else getting it right? And I'm getting it wrong. Like that feeling of like, why does everybody else have the manual? And I didn't get the manual. And you're like, what is leading to that constant that, you know, in so many elements of our life, what is leading to that feeling of like, you know, just chronic overwhelm, I think is the best way I've, I've heard it described. Oh my gosh. Yes. And when you said overcomplicating things, I'm the queen of overcomplicating things. Cause I think we have so many ideas and so many thoughts. And like you said, notes in the margin. I like that. Like I have a million notes in the margins that I carry around with me, but. Oh, I know. Right. And saving articles to read later and like all of these things that we think, or even just like New Year's resolutions and like all of these ways that we sort of have this idea that like the answer is around the corner and we're going to find it. If we, if we research enough or if we read something, 
something. There's always like, we're always like one article away from solving the puzzle that is us. Yes, yes. But then you get the next piece and you're like, wait a second, this doesn't fit with the rest of the puzzle. So now I feel like I have to start over or at least that's how my brain oh my works. God. <laughs> I know, right? I say that about, and when I was, uh, I say that now with ADHD, I'm like, the more I know, the less I understand. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm like, what even is this? This episode is brought to you by Magic Mind, the world's first productivity drink. When it comes to maintaining focus and energy throughout the day, I tend to rely heavily on caffeine. But that can backfire when I get over-caffeinated and end up with that jittery, agitated feeling that interferes with my ability to focus and be productive. This is where Magic Mind comes in. Unlike regular energy drinks, Magic Mind contains minimal caffeine, but is loaded up with all natural ingredients like the adaptogens ashwagandha and turmeric, nootropics and matcha, all of which help you keep that focus and motivation throughout the day. As a special offer for listeners of the Women in ADHD podcast, you'll get 20% off your order. Simply head over to magicmind.co slash womenadhd and make sure to enter the code ADHD at checkout. Again, head to magicmind.co slash womenadhd and you'll find that link in the show notes for 20% off your order. Okay. So, so let's backtrack a bit. Cause uh, first of all, your, your, your resume really does look like, um, all the jobs. Like I remember going to attitude magazine's website and looking up, like, what are all the perfect jobs for people with ADHD? And it's literally <laughs> like actor teacher is on there. Coach is on there. Um, I think, you know, jur- I was a journalist, a journalist is on there editor. Um, but like, yeah, it's, so it was funny to see you like checking off all of those lists. So let's go back a little, knowing it, right? Like, (laughs) so when you were diagnosed and kind of putting these pieces together, what are some of the things looking back over your life as one does where you were like, Oh, the signs were there all along. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. I mean, (laughs) like everything pretty much just my whole life. Um, but in particular, I think, um, that bipolar diagnosis was a huge thing for me that once I started understanding the emotional, dysregulation piece of ADHD, that was like, wow, like that makes so much sense. That um, definitely my relationship with food and my body. I feel like I have connected with so many people and realized a lot of women with ADHD have the same struggles in that area as far as all or nothing thinking when it comes to eating and food, getting, like you said, really excitable about something. And you're like all in and obsessive until like, you know, you hit some executive dysfunction and you can't do it perfectly. And you're like, I'm not going to do any of it. And then you um, throw it all out. Yeah, exactly. Right. I dropped out of college. I mean, like, it's all just like, check, 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 check. I went back eventually. It took me like eight years to finish college, but Say, I dropped out uh, a couple times too. <laughs> yeah. And the, you know, the biggest thing is like everything I feel like was kind of slipping through the cracks, like just random stuff was slipping through the cracks all the time. So I would purchase a gift for friend for a friend, like, and I would forget to send it. Right? So I'd find it in my closet three years later, or I would forget to pay a bill or a medical thing. You know, I wouldn't like go to the dentist or the doctor because I had to make the appointments and that was too much. Like I hadn't been to the doctor in like six years before my diagnosis. I didn't have a general practitioner. I was like, I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to get started with this. Um, a lot of things I look back and I'm like, wow, that makes a lot of sense now in hindsight. I, I think there's, I think there's a general sense with a lot of us, like, you know, we're confounded by ourselves because like, I often felt like 
I'm bright. Like I, I know that I'm bright, but I did really terribly in school. So I think that was a big thing for me was being able to like, give myself permission to, to re like re release that, like to be like your experience with academia does not dictate who you are as a person. And I didn't realize how much I was holding on to that shame well into my adult life. Right. Where I was like, I am not a smart person because I did, I couldn't understand why I couldn't do well in school. And, and, and like you said, like, I always felt like there was some kind of learning disability that wasn't diagnosed. Like there was just something was there that I never could quite put my finger on. But I think there's just a sense of like, I, I am very competent. Like I should be better at blank. Right. And so there's a feeling of like, I should be better at remembering people's birthdays or like, I should be good at everything. And, mm -hmm. and so I've thought a lot about like, where does that come from? Does that come from all the pressure that our teachers put on us to be consistent, <laughs> right? That we like <laughs> internalize, right? Cause that was something I got all the time in school, which was like, you know, um, you're, you're good at, you, you either get an A plus or you get a D there was like nothing in between. Right. And so like, there was this emphasis on consistency growing up that I think I internalized. So I felt like I needed to be really good at everything I tried. Um, mm. and, and like, where does that even come from? I don't, or how do, you know, I think it had, I think, you know, there I've seen, I remember Katie Osaurus on TikTok did a video about like the kind of the, the seedy underbelly of being really competent at a lot of things we try and how it leads to that, that sense of competition within ourselves that ends up being quite debilitating. <laughs> You're like, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's deep. I see that. <laughs> 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 totally. Yeah. And, and for me, it was like a light switch, but like I did really well in, and I think this is a part of the difficulty too. I did really well in elementary school, really well in middle school. And then in high school, all of a sudden one semester I had like almost all F's. <laughs> like I just no longer cared. Right. Cause we have to have that interest and that excitement. And I'll never forget that that parent teacher meeting with me and my mom and all of my teachers. And um, <laughs> this is a moment too, that I look back and I'm like, oh, this makes sense. And my mom's like, you must have the wrong child. There is no way I've never had to like tell her to do her homework or anything. Um, but it was just like that on and off switch. I feel like we have this like on or off switch. Like you said, we can be so insanely competent in one area, but that's when the switch is on. And when it's off, we're just like, mm, no, right? <laughs> you know? And I think before the diagnosis, that feels very random, right? Where it's like, you can't predict when you're going to be on and when you're going to be off. And so naturally you expect yourself to be on all the time. And so it becomes frustrating when it's off. Whereas like, now I feel like I have so much more grace with myself when I'm like, of course you're off. You know, like I always say this, like I used to think of myself as being the lazy person who couldn't get off the couch. So like, and then that was why I was like, I'm not hyper. I, I literally like can have, you know, I, I literally can nap at any time of the day. Uh, <laughs> I'm always <laughs> exhausted. And so it was like, um, you know, the, what was, oh, I lost my train of thought, but just that sense of like, now I'm like, you're probably recharging because you just spent the last 48 hours, like building a website or like whatever we tend to do as hobbies. Right. So I'm like, right. you know, <laughs> being able to understand the, when the switch is off and, and being able to be like, oh, that makes sense. I'm off because of all those things I was doing this week. 
Yes, uh, so I that's think before, my exact experience too. Right. Yeah. So I think like understanding that we do operate as off and on, like you said, like, it doesn't mean we're going to stop being that way. You know, we're going to still, we're still going to like assume that we, um, like you said, like, we're just going to transfer that expectation from one thing to another. So it's like, you went from like, you know, nutrition and body image to now, you know, productivity and entrepreneurship or whatever. Like I, I'm always placing that expectation somewhere, but at least being able to recognize oh, right. what's happening, I think is so important. It doesn't, it's not actually as random as we think it is. Totally. And I, I when I'm in like the high of the productivity and like the hyper-focus of something, I never anticipate the low. And I have to now remind myself like, okay, that off switch is coming. And when it comes, like you said, I I, I still forget and have to remind myself, like I'll start beating myself up and then I'll be like, no, like you said, exactly. Like, no, this is because I've just been on, you know, I, I, I like to think of it like a cycle, you know, like we go through the highs and the lows and it's just kind of riding the roller coaster versus, you know, judging every moment of it, you know, even when I was used to be productive and excited about something, I used to be like, oh, I know it's not going to last forever. You know, I, it's like, I don't know. I was always in kind of a mind spin, but like you said, now I can give myself some compassion. Right. Yeah. I remember I used to do like business coaching courses with Kate Northrup. Do you know her at all? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so like she do was, less. She yeah. write the book I want to read I that. I don't book. remember what it's called. I actually haven't read any of her books, but you know, who's got time for that? <laughs> I'm sure it's good. But I was like, but she had that same concept of like, you're in this productivity cycle. So when you are feeling like when you are like internal, and she likened it a lot to like the feminine and the menstrual cycle and that idea that like you have, you know, you, you can start to predict when you are going to be productive and when you're going to be more like slow and contemplative. And those are like imp- just as important as the hyper-focus modes, right? So it's like when you're lying on the couch, you may not realize it, but that's your cocoon mode where you're like coming up with new ideas and you have to have those times in your life in order to then move to the next level of action. And so she was always like tying it to the menstrual cycle, which I, again, it was, and that's another example where you're like, why am I so angry and yelling at everybody all the, oh, right. (laughs) My period's coming. Okay, there yeah, we go. Yeah, <laughs> but it still sense. comes. But it's still a surprise every month, no matter what. Right. right. Um, but yeah, that idea that like every part. So like you know, just coming off of the holidays, I took a ten day break from social media and like basically everything, which was really miserable because I was like forcing myself to not check social media, but I was still checking social media. I just wasn't engaging because I didn't want anybody to think I was cheating. Like it was so stupid, (laughs) right? Where I was like, I can't look at stories because somebody might catch me looking at stories and then they'll know that I wasn't taking a break and I'm cheating and I'm actually on Instagram. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Nobody is paying attention, but like, um, you know, but it was really hard to take a break. And so I was very much like thinking about how hard it is for us to take a break. Right. And like how difficult it is to be in that contemplative slow mode when you don't want to be in that slow mode. And then I was like, wait a minute, why am I forcing myself to take a vacation right now? Like, this is not the time for me to be taking a vacation. Like, even though it's the holidays, whatever family, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was starting to realize like maybe just like imposing a 10 day forced 
you know, relaxation is not very relaxing. It's, it's, you know, right. it's like, I have to get a good night's sleep tonight. Right. It's really the, <laughs> the worst, worst thing. <laughs> it's really pretty much guarantees you're not going to get a good night's sleep. Right. So absolutely. Um, so I was do like, you have that rebellious side of your ADHD where it is like that. If you feel like you're supposed to do something, you automatically then don't really want to do it as much. Oh my God. I feel yeah. like, like I experience that all the time. If I am forcing myself to do something, I automatically don't want to do it no matter how much I wanted to do it before I forced myself to do it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I think that's probably why so many of us feel like we're not really adults, you know, like, I think we do have a lot of that sense of, of, um, you know, you can't tell me what to do. Um, but at the same time, I also need a lot of help and structure and I need somebody to tell me what to do. (laughs) Right. People are like, how do I help you? You're like, I don't know. Never mind. Like, know, right? just, I'll go off on my own. I'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Magic Mind, the world's first productivity drink. Magic Mind was created by James Bashara, a Silicon Valley investor and entrepreneur who ended up in the ER with a heart condition brought on by the combination of stress and caffeine. He started researching natural alternatives, teamed up with scientists and medical professionals, and he created the Magic Mind drink and wrote the book Beyond Coffee. I personally really like the taste, and it's a nice little shot of energy to keep me focused throughout the day without any of that jittery, agitated feeling I get from too much coffee. Beyond just energy and focus, it has ingredients to help you stress less, reduce brain fog, and stay on task. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 20% off your order. And make sure to enter the code ADHD at checkout. Again, that's magicmind.co slash womenADHD, and you can find that link in the show notes for 20% off your order. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. Going back to your initial point about like feeling rebellious, right? Like feeling like that inner... Uh, like we are, we are basically like a walking paradox in so many ways. And, and we feel, um, we feel like children. I think, you know, I used to always think that the reason why we didn't feel like adults was because of like, like for me, I've, I'd never felt like an adult because I have such issues with money and finances. And I felt like if I ever, if I ever like, figure out how to like budget, then I'll feel like an adult, which I don't, it's never going to happen. So if that's what I'm, if that's what adulthood is, then, then I, I, I'm never going to get there. But like, I feel like maybe we have these ideas of what adulthood is. And so we're, we can't get there because it's something other than, than who we are. I don't know. I'm just thinking right now on the fly. Absolutely. 
No. And I, again, as you're saying that I completely agree. I feel, yeah. And I feel, you know, a lot of this jerk, a lot of the things you've been saying have been making me think of kind of, I feel like what I've been doing recently is switching from trying to switch from an external authority of what everybody said, like, okay, this is what you have to do to be an adult. You have to know how to budget. You have to, you know, be responsible. You have to, discipline was always such a big thing for me. Like you have to be disciplined and all this. And I've been switching much more to an internal authority or learning how to, and really just saying like sitting back and being like, what do I want right now? Like, not what should I do, but like, what do I want? And I've found that that has helped in almost every area of my life. You know, when it comes, cause like, like you said, budgeting, like I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do that, but I should do that. Sitting down for work, being productive. Oh, I don't want to do that. I should do that. Forcing a break. Uh, like, I don't really want to do that right now. You know, I've, I've been trying to sit back and say, what do I want? And I realized like, that's a question I've never asked myself in my life. And I'm like, learning how to ask myself. And I'm like, what do I want? (laughs) You know, it's a really difficult question. I mean, I don't honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I have the answer for that, but I think, I think it is important, like you said, to, to give yourself like the permission to be the authority in your own life. Right. Like I think about like in two inch, you know, the, the idea of intuition and intuitive eating, especially like in the, in the framework of nutrition, right. Like it is so important to realize that like the answer is not in a magazine or a diet or an app or something like you have that. It's not that complicated. Like you can figure out how to eat. It's just that you've been told your whole life that you don't, you know, like we've been deprogrammed throughout our life to realize, to be like, I can't trust myself. I can't trust my cravings or I can't trust my, my, um, instincts. And, and so it's really like bringing back that sense of intuition and that sense of like inner wisdom, which I think is so important. But I also think like, um, it's, it's, I, I don't know. I I feel like they're butting heads, like this idea that like, you know, the wisdom is in me all along. I can do this. I can figure it out. But then again, like, how do I stop getting so worked up all the time (laughs) over the fact that I don't have the answer now? You know, I think that's another thing that is very, like a lot of us struggle with that, like the impatience, right. Which is like, I want this puzzle solved yesterday. And, and then we throw it all out, right. Where we're like, well, this isn't working. So forget it. Um, and, and, you know, and then I joke where I'm like, and then I'm, I'm in the fetal position on the floor. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I'm, I self-identify as like the most impatient person in the entire world. <laughs> like, um, I know. Right. It is. I think so. Yeah. I mean, like, I love that concept of, of like, it's not, the answer isn't out there somewhere. Right. Like it really, we just need to sit back and take a breath. Um, I don't know. I mean, but how do you get to that point? I think it's so easy to get distracted by all the, by all the noise. Right. I feel like what I've started doing is like, like I said, in each moment, just asking myself, like, yeah, I will always try to do that too. Like self-imposed, like, like, for example, the 10, the 10 day break, like you said, I'll try to do that. I'll be like, that'll be good for me. Right. But then I'll ask exactly what you said. I feel like it's just step by step in each moment, asking myself what I want, what will be joyful and what would feel fun and exciting. Um, 
versus what should I do in this moment? And it's just been such a better experience, like being like just guided by those desires instead of what I should do. Right. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. I don't no, know. absolutely. That just reminded me. Yeah. Like the should is such a toxic word. It's so true. Cause like, I think about the fact that I have taken self-imposed social media breaks many times in my life. I've taken like year long social media breaks that felt necessary where I definitely was like, I can't go back there right now. And those are the moments where I'm like, I felt bad because I felt like, Oh, I'm not paying attention to my business or I'm not doing that. Like we're so dictated by shoulds Mm -hmm. so much of the time where I'm like, why didn't I just accept that that was a good time for a break? And then why didn't I just accept that the self-imposed break was not a good time for a break? Like it is, it's like, it really does come down to that. Like the should, the S word. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And something I need to remember too, is like what I want and what I desire is like changing all the time. Like, like you were talking about my different careers. I feel like I'm like a different person from day to day. And see, even in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh gosh, now I do sound like I'm a bipolar person, (laughs) but I just feel like it's like, I'm ever evolving and remembering that too. And remembering that nothing is forever, you know? Like, just because I started this one strategy doesn't mean I have to stick with it forever. Um, but at the know. same time, like, it 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 lends so much to, like, the patchwork of who you are, right? Like, I think, I am so grateful. Like, I love, you, you did you study political science? Am I, I making did. that up? Yeah, I yes, did too. Yes. I was a political oh. science major. And, like, I've never used it in my life in any way, in any, like, meaningful <laughs> way. But um, it totally, like, it's part of the the patchwork of who I am. And so it, like, comes up, in, I think, in a lot of ways. And even when I started this podcast, I was like, why, you know, it, I was like, oh, it makes sense. I was a journalist for 20 years and interviewed people. So, like, podcasting feels like a natural progression. But because I had left journalism and was a health coach at the time, it felt like, what? What do you, t-? like, it, it felt totally like a non sequitur. But when you look at the whole thing, you're like, oh, yes, this all perfectly lends to each other. And then I think it, I think it's one of the strengths of for those of us who have ADHD and, like, pivot endlessly from one new identity to another is just how it builds and builds and builds. And we're such like, we have such a fascinating perspective in any situation. Right. And like, I remember talking to somebody posted this on my Instagram recently where they were posted that phrase that I had forgotten about, which was like a Jack of all trades is a master of none but still better than a master of one. I'm, I'm butchering that, but it was like, yeah, oh, right. Like it was such a, I've good never word. heard the last part. Me I've only either. heard. Wow. I like that. <laughs> and it was basically a post about like giving yourself permission to have lots of hobbies and to never finish anything. And cause I was I like, that. I think we you know, we always feel bad about the fact that we are like halfway through a million projects and that you know, we feel shame around that. And I was like, what if we just stop feeling shame around that and just realize that that was actually a wonderful way of experiencing bites of a lot of things and that that's actually really powerful. And then somebody put that phrase and I was like, yes. Yes. I love that. And you know, too, it's interesting. Cause like you said, we have interesting perspectives on things. I feel like I make connections between big jumps. Like I'll make a connection between politics and diet culture, diet culture and ADHD and 
I'll make these connections that other people don't see. I feel like that's a strength of ADHDers as well, making those connections because we've been in all these, if we've had our hands in lots of different things, we're like, see connections that other people don't see. Right. Absolutely. I think it's, yeah. Or even the fact that you were able to see that you were like, oh, I'm putting this same mindset into productivity. Now, the fact that you were able to make that leap for yourself, I think also like is, is a kind of real time experience of that. Right. And I think it's why we, a lot of us go into entrepreneurship and, and coaching specifically. And I think why, um, why, you know, that's a real asset, I think, for coaching is to being, be able to kind of see behaviors and put, make those connections really quickly. And, you know, as, yeah. as an, one coach to another, just being totally, like, totally, yeah. a little shout out for the profession. But um, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it is, it's, it is something that like, I think it's important for us to kind of change that narrative and be like, that is actually a really important skill. It's just kind of a hard skill to quantify in the workplace or, you know, like I keep thinking about, you know, how, you know, in in general, it's looked at as um, important to like stay with a career for a lifetime. And like, why is that? Does that important? make you want to die inside? Cause oh that really God. want makes me yeah. want to die inside. <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh, I can't even imagine that. Like, no. <laughs> well, like my husband has been, he's had two jobs since I've known him for 20 years. He's been at two different companies with two different jobs. So he keeps getting those milestone rewards where it's like, congratulations, you've been at this company for five years. You get a free set of luggage. And we have all of these like weird <laughs> random gifts that he gets when he reaches these milestones. And I'm like kind of jealous because I'm like, I don't get free luggage with, with with my (laughs) weird, you know, new job every, every six months. But at the same time, I'm like, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be doing the same thing. Right. Does your husband, I'm assuming your husband is neurotypical. You know, he has to be. I mean, I, again, I'm like, the more I learn about ADHD, the less I understand it. So he definitely has a lot of interesting executive function qualities. And like, we (laughs) have a lot of conversations about like forgetfulness and planning and structure where I feel like it's such a huge spectrum, right. Of like, what is affecting you and what isn't and, and the degree to which it's affecting you, I think is another one, but like, I think he, I mean, there are certain things like being in the same job for 10 years where I'm like, you have to be neurotypical, but like, what even does that mean? I don't know. But then there's other times where like, he will absolutely drop the ball on something where I'm like, that is so ADHD of you. (laughs) That is so funny because that is my relationship with my husband to a T because he's, he's also been in his job from college. He's been in construction management for I don't know how many years, like I said, number years are hard, but a long time, like more than 10 years. And, but there are these little traits that now that we know so much about it, yeah, it's almost like there's a scale, right? Like it's like, you're somewhere along the scale. It maybe is not as black and white as we want it to be, you know? Oh, I know. I, yeah, exactly. Like everything easy to categorize. Well, and I think, yeah, I keep thinking of a, a friend of mine who has ADHD and we talk a lot, you know, we go on these walks and we have these like epic conversations about like, what is it? Is it genetic? Is it trauma? Is it, you know, um, the the p- pandemic, you know, like, I feel like I'm constantly asking the, these questions about like, what is it? Like, I need this like very straightforward, logical definition of what ADHD is. And she's always like, does it really matter? Like at the end of the day, really what it is, is sort of a, 
it's a, it's an explainer that helps you deal with behavior or emotions or executive function. You know, it's, it's a way to kind of frame who you are in a way that is helpful to you. And like, isn't that enough? And I'm like, it really should be enough, but it's not. It should be, but it's not. <laughs> you know what I like in our brains too? I feel like it's like a dog that needs a bone to chew on. Like I, it like needs something to like stimulate it. Like, cause I do the same thing. I'm like, no, I need to know. And it's like, my brain just needs something to, to like, it's like a dog that needs a chew toy, <laughs> you, you know? know? Right. And yeah. And, and I sort of just make myself feel better where I'm like that obsessive desire to figure out if this is in fact ADHD or if this is something else, like if that's all the evidence you need right? that it's ADHD. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I will go down like super like, Oh my God, wouldn't it be terrible if I started this podcast and I did all this stuff and it turns out I'm a total fraud and it was, you know, I don't actually need the glasses who put me in charge. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I totally feel that some days. <laughs> um, and you, you, so you switched, are you taking a break with your podcast or what's going on? Cause I know you switched over to 80 to like an 80, more of an ADHD theme with your podcast. So let's talk about vibrancy. Cause I don't, if you don't want to talk about it, if you're like taking a break with it, that's fine too. But I know that's also part of your, your umbrella that is Chelsea. <laughs> yes. No. Well, I am taking a break. Um, ah, this, I mean, but no, this is good. I, Cause it's like, you've taken, this is a natural transition, right? right? That you should not feel right. any shame or, or questioning. It's just, it is what it is. Yes. Sorry and I feel like, no, 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 you're totally right. Because I feel like back to what we were talking about before, I feel like I'm taking that next step in understanding how I work and understanding what business structure is going to be best for me. So I kind of took a step back, um, and have been trying to figure out because there are 5 million things I want to do. Like I'm ready to pivot again because there's just so many different things I want to do. Um, it's insane. And so I took a step back from the podcast, but I am restarting that very soon. So, um, I've been recording behind the scenes, but can I tell you, uh, really why I haven't, <laughs> it's kind of fun. the reason I haven't started, I have three recorded that I recorded with guests. Um, I just haven't gotten around to getting a new editor <laughs> because my editor said, you know, obviously she couldn't just like, she had to take on other clients. And so I'm like, that's a thing on my list that I'm like, I need to do that because people are just waiting. And you know, that's the ADHD in me. That's the honest truth is like, I took the a one, little break. It didn't mean to be that long, but there's this one thing holding me back, like the VA thing with you. Oh my right? God. Yes. Right. Where <laughs> you're like, like it's stulti- the, the thought of doing that is just stultifyingly boring. So I would rather just do everything else. I know. So it's been on my to-do list for two months. So <laughs> uh, that makes so much sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I feel, yeah, like you said, that that's the, the beauty in learning how to have self-compassion for myself and not value consistency as much as, you know, valuing, knowing that I'm going to get back at it at some point. And it's like, it's like, I took a little break. It's all good, you know, and we'll come back and do it when we want. And I feel like I'm just kind of learning how my workflow goes a little bit, you know? I, yeah. I mean, that's something that I think I struggle with a lot, which is like, like you said, wanting to do a million things all at the same time. And also feeling like, like, I wish I could be relaxed and go with the flow and be like, everything happens for a reason. And this is, everything is going to work out. 
And I mean, I hired a freaking business coach who told me that, who was basically like, just do the thing, you know, just be, you know, everything will work out and you'll figure it out. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm so glad I paid you thousands of dollars to tell me. (laughs) But But it was basically like that, that I think that the contradiction between wanting to do a million things and also worrying and needing to like relax and let things happen naturally, but also worrying that like, all those things are going to fall through the cracks and you're going to end up at the end of the day having done nothing. Right. And, and that I think is like that pendulum, which is like, I, I don't know how to hold on to things. And, and one thing actually my business coach was really great with was she was like, she basically was like, don't stop the podcast. She was like, the podcast is the thing. So you're going to get distracted by all of these other things that you want to do around it, all of these opportunities that are going to come up. And she was like, just hold on to that one thing, make that your anchor. And because that is fueling everything else. So she was really good at like helping me with that part at least. So even like, you know, even though I can get distracted by a million other business ventures throughout the week, like I know at the end of the day that I have to continue with this one thing. And so like when I got to my one year anniversary, I was like, oh my God, I've never done anything for a year other than, you know, like, <laughs> like it was like a huge milestone for me because there are weeks where I'm just like, I do not want to, like, it's, you know, I don't want to put it out. I want to have the conversations. I want to do the fun stuff. I want to have the interviews, but like the other boring stuff tends to get in the way. Um, Right. Was, I don't remember what I was talking about. I think it was the idea that I like, have no clue. Well, <laughs> no, but I think oh, that idea of like wanting to, you know, ha- wanting to be do so much, and the fear that it's I'm going to miss out on all of it and have nothing in the end. I think is that mm. because I feel like we do have that feeling, right? Where it's like without consistency, there is a tendency to feel like. I have nothing to show for my life the way that like right. my husband has his luggage. <laughs> right. right. I, I don't have, have my gold star. <laughs> right. Like, at, you know, I don't have anything to show for all of this other than the patchwork, you know, and maybe that's what we are looking for. Maybe we're looking for something that is like, you know, something of all those million things that's going to shine brighter and be like, this is the thing you need to go after. Yes. And you know, The thing is, I mean, for me, I I feel like I, for the first time last year, identified like, identified my values. I was like, what is it that I value? Like truly deep down inside, what do I value? You know, and some of the things that I, I wrote down when I did this was like surprise, delight, novelty, you know, like things, none of it was like productivity, you know, like genuinely, I don't really like value productivity. And I think realizing that helped me, like, it's almost like a compass now, like looking at, I wrote down those values and I look at them every once in a while when I feel like I'm getting lost in the weeds and I'm like, but am I doing things that surprise and delight me? Am I doing things that, you know, the things that are on this list that are, you know, values-based? Yes. So is it okay that maybe it's a little bit messy and more messy and kind of patchworked versus other people where they have like this their luggage or this perfectly packaged thing. I'm like, I think at the end of the day, I'm kind of okay with that. You know? Yeah. I feel like I sound like such a hippie. Cause I'm like, just, I just do what I want to do and just joy and love and peace and happiness, you know? <laughs> no, but it is like, it really, it is that simple and profound at the same time. I think, um, if you can hold on to that 
I mean, I, I fall back into the, you know, I go back and forth all the time, like you said, and overcomplicate it and then come back, try to come back to like, okay, what do I want to do? What feels joyful? What, you know, <laughs> right. Well, so, I think I, and allow I, it to be messy. Well, and I use the metaphor of meditation a lot too, which is like meditation isn't like being in the zone all the time. Meditation is about coming back to the zone whenever you notice that you're not in the zone and like you have to, you know, and so it's like, it's just about, like you said, like trying to get back to that place as often as you can, once you've noticed you're not there anymore and like mm-hmm. you get distracted a million times, but it's like, okay, let's go back. Okay. Let's go back. So like having those base values, you're right. That's really important. Mm. So now how about the habit edit? Tell me about that. Then tell me about how you came up with that name and kind of what's going on with that community and how people can find yeah. you and work with you. So the habit edit I created as a membership and it's a health and mindset coaching membership for women with ADHD and I am turning it into a course and it's all about kind of using your all or nothing thinking to your advantage basically and kind of working with your ADHD brain instead of constantly trying to fight it and a lot of what I've been talking about like following the joy and finding joy in wellness habits right But I kind of decided the way that I work with coaches and the way that I work with other people is I'm like obsessed with somebody and I'm obsessed with their work and I like want to work with them for a little period of time and like try their strategies. And I'm going to like pull little pieces, like little gold nuggets from what they taught, but then eventually I'm going to want to move on. (laughs) Right. And I feel like I, other ADHDers are kind of like this. So I thought if it was an online course format, that might be better for, for people. Like I want to be a piece of their journey. I don't want them to feel like it, I have to be their whole journey. Like they can take what's great from the course and then eventually move on and find something else, you know, versus a membership feels locked in for them, right? It's like this thing where like, I'm stuck in this thing and, you know, I'm supposed to do it. And every time you fall off track or find something else you're interested in, then you're, you're supposed to come back to, you know, and it's the same with me and my work too. I'm like, wow, I've kind of done what I always do is I've locked myself into this schedule when I want the freedom to flit into other creative endeavors. So, so it's turning into a course and it's basically, a way to kind of use novelty. So the way it's structured is we do one new habit a month. So basically you can kind of dive all in on one habit and go like that all or nothing feeling that you would have when you start a new diet, you start a new habit that way. And it'll be like, you can do that for exercise and then you build in hydration and then you build in, you know, eating vegetables or whatever it is for you. And there's constant permission throughout the program to drop the ball. Like if you fall off the wagon, that's one of the first things is like what to do when you fall off the wagon. And it's like, it's no big deal. You just eventually get back on the wagon, right? Because that was the thing I think that we always have shame about is like, oh, I did lay on the couch. I didn't follow my plan perfectly or, you know, it's just an ADHD friendly way to do wellness that's focused more on joy and excitement and, you know, your internal authority versus discipline and me telling you exactly what to do. And, you know, 
follow this plan exactly. Cause I don't think any of us are going to do that. And that's not going to be fun for us. Right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I love that. First of all, I think that comes through very much in, in sort of who you are and the message. So I feel like, you know, if that was your goal. You are definitely, um, relaying that. Cause I feel like I get <laughs> that from you for sure. From my exposure to you online and social media and the kind of pres- presence that we put out there. So absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I think, Also, like, I think I feel like I've talked about this too in other episodes where it's like, sometimes I feel like the, when, when ADHD coaches, especially like do promise like radical change and, you know, that idea of like productivity and organization, and I'm going to solve all of these issues for you. Like, it's kind of predatory. Like, I feel like it's really, it, um, really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it, um, um, takes advantage of the, a lot of these desires, I think, um, exploitative, that's word it's, it exploits Mm. that desire that I think isn't necessarily, um, very helpful for anybody involved. And so, uh, yeah, I really, I love that approach. Um, right. I don't want to promise like somebody, if they're a fish to promise that they're going to turn into a cat by the end of it, you know, like that, like, Oh, all of a sudden you're going to, function just like a neurotypical, right? I think it's, it's more so sometimes it's about editing our version of what the end goal is and being like, yeah, what is, what actually is possible for me, but not saying like, oh, now I can't achieve my goals, but just saying like, what's going to feel good for the way that I work. Right. And, and still get me to what I want, which is to feel most of us all just want to feel happier, more comfortable, you know, like we want to feel more content and that's what we Mm -hmm. think like losing weight or being more productive or whatever is going to give us. Right. Yeah. That the answer is out there and it was in you all along, Dorothy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, well, that's wonderful and exciting. And I love the fact that you have recognized that too, because that's such an, you know, with ADHD, we do tend to like come in hot and like get really obsessed with an idea or a person. So yeah, I think that's really practical. Ah, all right. I've, I'm sure I could have you, I could go on for hours with you. I feel very, I don't know. I, I just, I just adore you, Chelsea. I, I love adore you. you. <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm like, oh, it's already been an hour. Oh my gosh. This conversation is so fun. Well, and I have like a <laughs> list of official questions. I don't think I asked you. I think I asked you one of them. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So in the meantime, people can find you on, uh, I guess you're on TikTok as part-time wellness too, right? Yes, I'm on Instagram and TikTok as part-time wellness. Okay, and then I guess um, Habit Edit, what's the your website? Is it habitedit.com or what's the yes, best way to find yeah, out more Yeah, www.thehabitedit.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me and, and sharing your story a little bit more. And I was so so glad to get this time to talk to you. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I loved this conversation. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating. 
or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com slash coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL.